Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this, your day. Thank you for your uh, morning mercies, that they are good, every, uh, new every single day. We pray, Lord, as we close uh, this um, uh, teaching series on the seven deadly sins, that you may uh, bless us with um, um, your spirit, so we may uh, see what you have to speak to us. And in seeing it, Lord, we may be edified by it and uh, grow closer to you, rejecting more and more our sins and loving you more and more and seeking to do your will more and more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So um, this morning, as I said, we are closing the seven deadly sins and the Beatitudes. So no more seven deadly sins. Um, and we close with a big one, no pun intended, uh, gluttony. <laughs> gluttony and how do you pronounce that word? I, I, I did a chapel in Mid-America Reform Seminary one day and I said gluttony. And, and um, one, one friend of my mind came and was like, I thought you said glutton-free. And I was like, what? Uh, gluttony, gluttony, how do you pronounce that word? And so he said, gluttony. So don't even pronounce the T's. I have no idea. Midwestern English is a different thing. Eastern English is a different thing. And right? I, I thought so. Anyhow, gluttony. <laughs> um, so gluttony is the sin that speaks about our appetites more directly. Uh, gluttony is uh, inordinate, excessive intake of whatever we crave. Uh, now, it, that's basically the concept, right? What gluttony normally is defined for. But it doesn't necessarily have to do with food all the time, right? Uh, one, of the, one of the problems that we have here in the world today is that because we process our food more, then we have more problems of sugar, right? And that's more of a recent problem. And so people grow big because we have cars, then we don't exercise as much as before. My great-grandfather died uh, of 95 years, and he was still like carrying potato bags in, to the mountains, up to the mountains in his, by, his own, by his own. So we don't do that. I don't think I can do that. But he did. Uh, he was stronger. Well, our modern life doesn't require that from us anymore. Now we need to be intentional and exercise and everything. I'm saying all of that because <clears throat> sometimes, excuse me, we can we can get uh, uh, disorders in our bodies that make that make us go big. Not because we are eating a lot, but because it's part of our uh, fallen uh, body uh, state. I had a parishioner in Oakland, URC. He was 6'5", and he was 350 pounds. Not because he liked to eat. Actually, he controlled himself a lot. But it was because his uh, glands were not working well, so he goes super big. He was really big, uh, but it was not his fault. He tried to control it. But what I'm trying to say is, if we see someone big, don't say, oh, he's a glutton. There is more than, 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 that, just, just, than just that, all right? Uh, and that's why we are going to try to explore this morning what it is, and we will try to distinguish it from previous deadly sins, because as may be evident to you this morning already, the seven deadly sins kind of overlap. 
uh, among each other. There are things that we have in common with, uh, with, with they have in common with each other, uh, things that uh, sound similar to, and we are going to try to um, understand them better. But it makes sense, doesn't it? If the center of every single deadly sin is self-centeredness, you at the center over anyone else, even God, then it makes sense that every other sin that springs from it, um, it has something related to it. Then we will see some examples of gluttony and why it's a deadly sin. And finally, we will see the solution to gluttony in Jesus' beatitude regarding persecution and self-denial. All right, do you have any questions so far? No. Okay. Uh, perhaps the, way, the best way to describe and seek to define gluttony is with the word excessive, right? Excessive. Um, whatever we do in excess speaks a lot about where, where our hearts at, are at, what we care for uh, the most and what we want. That is why we normally have associated gluttony with food. Think about, think, uh, and, and perhaps a key difference is gluttony desires something and isn't the possibility of getting it. So envy and what's the other one? Um, um, envy and covetousness. Those two desire things, but not necessarily means that they can get it. Gluttony, with gluttony, you desire something that you can get and you, and you will get it. Um, so think about, for example, um, King Henry VIII, right? Uh, that's a very good example as we are approaching Reformation Day. Not Halloween, Reformation Day. Um, and um, he, he, when he ascended to power, if you see uh, paintings of him, he's like spelt, he's like a you know, stallion kind of guy, strong. And as he goes into his rule and reign, he starts growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Why? Because he can, right? He's the king. He can eat whatever he wants. He can have any woman he wants. He can do whatever, whatever pleases him because he is the king. He's a glutton, in other words. He can get what he wants. Um, there was a student in Africa, in, from Africa in uh, Mid-America one day, and he saw a really big guy uh, as a student. And he goes, oh, he's the chief. And everyone goes like, what? Yeah, he's the chief. And he goes and, and stands in front of him and he says, I pay to you my respects. And I was like, what is going on here? And, and so we asked him and he says, well, in my country, the person who is big is because he has the means to sustain himself and it's because he's the chief of the um, whatever place you live in. That's why he's big, because he can eat. Uh, and we can't, so I need to pay my respect to the person who is bigger than me. And we're like, I was like, wow, that's interesting. That's something that I have never heard uh, before since the Middle Ages, because that's how it used to be in the Middle Ages. If you were skinny and you didn't have clothings and things like that, then, um, then you are poor. But if you can get you know, purple robes and things like that, and you are bigger, then it's because you have the means and you are... You can do it. So gluttony uh, not only desires things, but the key uh, factor there is you can get them. Okay. Um, however, for the Christian, gluttony is a sin because it's an appetite towards anything except God. 
Uh, that is why Augustine affirms, and I really like this phrase, my love is my gravity. So wherever I'm falling into, that is what I love the most. Uh, James K. Smith's book, You Are What You Love, it's another example of that, just reflecting on that idea that what we love is what it drives us the most. Um, J.K. Beale's book on uh, You Are What You Worship gravitates towards the same idea. Whatever we are uh, leading our feelings to, our emotions, our uh, strength to, that's what we love. And that's what we become. And that's what we gravitate around. So that's what Augustine is saying here. My love is my gravity. Do I love food? Then I'm going to be thinking about food all the time. I heard another a person, a fitness person, and this is from a book that I'm reading right now. Um, a fitness person in the book was quoted saying, uh, in order to change your mindset, you need to stop thinking like a fat man. And I thought that's so fun because uh, it becomes something that we start to think like. Uh, if we love money and we crave money and want to save every single penny like Scrooge does, then money is everything that you are going to be thinking about. And money is everything that your heart is going to desire. And money is everything that you are going to try to uh, get for yourself uh, like Scrooge does, right? He takes even the two pennies from the eyes of his friend Marlene when he's about to be buried. Like that's, that's very telling, isn't it? Um, so gluttony is closely associated with food, but not only food. Um, and uh, I, I mentioned there the strugglings that we have with our, our bodies. Uh, but we cannot deny that gluttony is related to food, and that is still a big problem. After all, we have created fast food chains. Easy to get uh, food, right? Go to McDonald's. $1 burger, if that is, still exists. Um, $1 breakfast, right? It's not the best, but it's easy to get, right? Uh, it's, it's not healthy, but it's delicious. Has tons of sugar, tons of salt as well. Processed, so you get addicted to it. Not that you cannot eat McDonald's. I'm not saying that. If you want to, go ahead and, and do it. But um, you are not to live at McDonald's every single day, right? And every single time of your day. I have something that happened to me coming here we were in the airplane in american airlines and the lady goes oh do you want what do you want we have pop we have uh, uh water we have uh, juice and, and i remember thinking we don't have dr pepper in ecuador i want to try it so i go dr pepper please she says oh okay so she gave me one i remember even the can it was about wonder woman um and i drink it i'm like they, for some reason, I thought this was delicious, but you know what? They were right. This is better than delicious. I really liked it. I said to Carolina, try it. It's really good. She goes, no, it's too sweet. No, no it's delicious. It's amazing. Go for it. He says, no, I don't want it. You go for it. I'm like, okay. And then we landed. Jeff DeBoer, the, the dean of students, was waiting for us. And he says, have you have anything to eat? And I go, no. So let's go to McDonald's. So, okay, let's go to McDonald's. And the lady in McDonald's says, what do you want for, for a drink? And I go, do you have Dr. Pepper? She goes, yes. Oh, a big Dr. Pepper, please. Okay. And Kara is looking at me. Says, what is going on with you? 
you have because we never drank soda before. My mom hated those things, and I never I grew up never drinking it. So I go, so good, it's so good. She was like, hmm, there is something wrong with you, anyhow. Um, and then uh, Jeff goes, here, here is your uh, a card with five hundred dollars in it. This is for your first week, so you can you guys can do groceries. That's how Mid America uh, is with foreign students. And uh, we go, okay, where shall we go? Because we, we have no idea. He says, oh, don't worry. We will drive you to Walmart and you can buy whatever you want. So uh, we were walking into Walmart and the first thing I see is like the soda cans. You need to understand the impact that this is for me. In Ecuador, you go to the grocery store and you buy one bottle because they sell you by units, one. And I see, 25 or 28 box, uh, boxes of 28 units for $5. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I go, honey, we need to buy Dr. Pepper. And she goes, no. <laughs> I go, why? It's delicious. No. You have never drank Dr. Pepper before. And I don't know what's going on with you, but this is not good. Go, okay. Okay. I was starting to have this gluttony attraction towards Dr. Pepper. Uh, very simple and yet uh, very attractive to me. To this day, I avoid Dr. Pepper because it's so good <laughs> and I can't. Um, it's so sugary, but it's the only soda that calls my attention. Right? Uh, easy to get, easy to eat, easy to drink. $5. Cheaper than water. That was surprising to me. Cheaper than water? You can buy, wow, you can buy lots of Dr. Pepper with less less money a gluttony though can be a problem for the skinny person as well um, this is kind of like <coughs> ironic isn't it um, not a ironic ironic um, i saw like um, a documentary about what uh, fitness people and trainers are calling the uh, skinny fat so is that people who <coughs> wakes up in the morning no breakfast, no anything, and they just go running. And, and uh, uh, they've been doing that for years and years and years and years and years. And then when they uh, get older, they have um, uh, problems on the liver, problems in the kidneys, uh, um, sugar problems. Uh, what's the other one? Cholesterol problems. And it's like, why do they have those issues if they are super active and everything? Well, they are not eating healthy because all that they care for is looking skinny. And instead of improving their health, they are burning muscles and eating their own uh, uh, nutrients. And your body is having the problems that a fat person would have, like an overly obese person will have in a very skinny person. And that is gluttony because all that you care about is to look skinny and healthy. And yet you are not. Um, this book I'm reading uh, right now is called Strange Rites, uh, Religion for a Godless Culture. And uh, she says $17 billion go every single year into wellness industry. That's the new religion. $17 billion. People who follow Winnet Patrol, uh, Mariah Carey. No, I don't think she's one of those. There is another one famous, uh, Jessica Alba, I think. She mentioned it. 
uh, her. Um, and, uh, you know, oh, if you build my powder, then you will be like me and you will be healthier and you will live longer and uh, this is organic and so on and so forth. Um, 17 billion of people who are craving and getting after that wellness religion ideology. Isn't that interesting? Um, gluttony for looking, for looking good. Uh, or the person who has uh, a room filled with his shoes. Those are like, on Instagram, those are the most famous ones. Like, hey, come into my house. I'm going to show you my big collection. It's like 250, uh, 200 or 500 shoes. Uh, and then, hey, how many times have you used this one? Just once. But I'm already in the waiting list for the new one. Like the Adidas or the Nike, uh, I don't know what edition. Um, yeah, I don't know. There was recently, recent release, two years ago, no one year ago, the Adidas, no, Nike uh, blood something. It was the singer who took his own blood and put it in the uh, air capsule of the Nikes, and they sold those for $2,000, and people bought those. Um, who is going to buy that $2,000 pair of shoes? Gluttons. Gluttons for, for shoes. Uh, it's never enough because you always want the newer one and you can get it. That's the point of gluttony. You can actually get it, so you will get it. Uh, the glutton is always striving for more, eating more, buying more, accumulating more, and yet the more he accumulates, the less he seems to have. Uh, it's, ne it's never enough, right? Um, there is um, a Mexican guy I know. Um, his his dad passed away um and he's kind of famous in a very specific niche uh his dad had six thousand and five hundred smoking pipes six thousand and five hundred pipes and he has a cellar of ten thousand tins of tobacco and he's always buying more because the more you buy you let it age, the better it smokes. But when are you going to smoking it if you are always reserving it for later? Does that make sense? Gluttony. Um, gluttony. Um, gluttony is what makes you go to whatever place you are attracted to and go, I need to get more. For me, that was the seminary's library. <laughs> I used to go in and like, I need one more book. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to internet and scroll, see what book I can get. Gluttony is about what we unite ourselves to. It's a, it's a third card when one will do, a third drink when one is best, a third hobby when the other two aren't satisfying enough. It's not about having body fat. It's about having a gaunt soul. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Um, what about not only just a third car, but it has to be a Lexus, right? Or Cadillac, or I don't know. Uh, to me, it was interesting to see in Chicagoland, um, usually, this is going to sound very racist. It's not, I promise. Uh, but it was usually African-Americans who had the best cars. They couldn't pay them, but they got them somehow. 
How does that work? I don't know. Don't ask me. I have no idea. But Infinities, Cadillacs, Lexus. Uh, I even saw one uh, McLaren, Mercedes McLaren. Those are expensive cars. $2 million cars. Um, but they are living like, you know. Why? Because I need to look good. Um, then this happened to me in Chicagoland too. We went to the house of this dear brother. He's an amazing good brother. Love him in the Lord. And he goes, do you want to play board games? I'm like, yes, we love board games. Let's go to my basement. He, it was like those movies when, you, when they turn on the lights and you have like this refuge in case of bombs and things like that. He goes, chung, 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 chung. Yeah. I was like, what is going on? And shelves upon shelves upon shelves of board games. I said, how many do you have? He says, 2,000. Do you play them all? No. I, we play on occasion. Okay. Um, you, are you planning on buying more? We are in the waiting list for the new one. Okay. 2,000. Um, or a compulsive buyer who can't stop visiting the mall or surfing the web, delighting in that new perfume she or he will get or the new shoes. It is this inordinate in moderation that not only seeks to accumulate, but also indirectly let someone else starve. That's what we don't, the dark side of gluttony that we don't see. Uh, think about the rich man and Lazarus, right? It's egregious, especially in, uh, oh, and Keith is not here to hear me say that. Um, egregious, he loves when I say egregious. Um, uh, it's, especially in Israel, when Israelites were to care for the poor, and that shouldn't exist in them, uh, in, the, in that society. This guy is just filling his gut with everything he can, and Lazarus is at his door, and he has no mercy on him. And every single time that he's getting more and more food, he is depriving Lazarus from getting food. Because he could easily go, Lazarus, come, eat at my table. But what does the Bible say? Do you remember? He desired to at least take some of, of, of the crumbs that are falling from his um, uh, table. That's very graphic language too, isn't it? He's not eating with fork and, you know, and, and a knife, like very ordinary. Oh, I'm going to you know, clean my mouth. It's like, you know, oh, a piece of chicken. I don't want it anymore. Boom. The dogs come and eat it. But Lazarus? He doesn't have a right to go in. That's nasty. It's like in the Lord of the Rings when Denethor is eating in front of Pippin. I said Pippin or Mary? And he's like, right, that's, that's what is happening. And that's what Jesus is condemning. He could have, have helped him, and he decided not to. He could have extended his hand in mercy, and he doesn't do it. That is the problem with gluttony. The, pr the moment we start um, like having everything that we can have, immediately we are depriving another person from that very same thing. It happened with toilet paper. It can happen again. Um, well, I I'm sure you are seeing some overlaps now already with like the other sins. So I have like a subtle but helpful distinction. So if pride wants attention, 
gluttony wants to be a diva. Think about it. It's everything about me. Why are you talking about me? Why are you not talking about me? Uh, why are you concerned about yourself when you should be concerned about me? After all, I'm the center of the universe. And if you are not paying attention to me, I'm going to do stupid stuff so you can pay attention to me and be concerned and give me the attention that I deserve because I am the one who deserves your attention. So I, I am glutton after attention, after everyone has to be thinking of me. Um, it's the, that kind of people that says, why are, why are you thinking? Is it about me? Like, no. What's wrong with you, dude? Like, oh, I'm sure you're thinking about me. What? Um, um, I, we had an instance of that in Admin America. And one of my classmates goes, you have to be the most self-righteous, prideful person to think that everyone around you is talking about you. That if you feel bad, it's because others are talking about you. We don't care. We don't care. Why, why are you offended about this? We are not even thinking about you. And I remember, yeah, that was, that was a good response. I'm going to put that in my pocket for, for the future. Because it, it's true, right? Um, think about self-image when you are in high school or, or with your kids as they are going to high school. Why will they feel bad? Because people are not talking about them or talking about them a little bit too much. And what is the remedy for that? No, honey, you are not the center of the universe. Jesus Christ is. Sounds really rude to say that. Say it anyway. Because they are not. We are not. We are not. Jesus is. Right? So gluttony wants to be a diva. Envy wants what others have. But gluttony counts every insignificant detail. So it's like, yeah, I want what he has. But not only that, better tires. Uh, you know, that's not the luxury model. I want the top-of-the-line kind of model. Better tires, better rims, uh, better equipment. If I can put, like, guards around and cameras so no one scratches my, my car, that'll be the best, uh, right? So I, can, so I can do that. Sloth may be a lack of virtuous action, but gluttony doesn't even care about acting virtuously. Um, that's the society we live in, by the way. Uh, today, what? Who who stops and says, "Wait a minute, that was not virtuous of you. You you didn't act self selflessly. You, you didn't think about your neighbor. No one says that because we have lost uh, our society as a virtue." David Wells has a really good book about it. It's called uh, "Losing Our Virtue," uh, and it's a really really good analysis of what has happened with a virtue in our days, in, an, in our age. The, the strongest is the one who conquers, the one who sells the most, the one who sells himself the most. Think about um, what I've been saying, like Donald Trump, right? Uh, against um, uh, the guy from Kiss, Simmons. Uh, oh, Simmons, he had like 5,000 girls. Donald Trump calls immediately. Like, yeah, only 5,000? I have slept with 13,000. Yes, that's right. Donald Trump kicked you in TV, national TV. Virtue gone. Uh, perhaps 
the best example I have seen of that is in my own country. Like, who is it that we are going to elect as president? A model who is famous for showing her parts in TV. Really? Like, no education, no nothing, just a girl that became famous, famous because she's showing her body. That was so disappointing. A virtue gone. We don't even care. Um, lost once a woman, gluttony wants them all. Right? Um, think about those Arabs in power or famous people, right? Things like that. Wrath wants revenge. Gluttony wants the infliction of it to be creatively painful and slow. Because that's what we care about. Uh, gluttony deals with every sin in excess. Um, gluttony loves, and, and, and you can see it in different aspects of our sins as well, right? You and I know we live in a small town. And what thrives in the small towns is always gossip. And you and I know, maybe I don't know who here, but I knew where to go to get news in my town. Like there, there was always the security camera, the neighbor, who was always in the balcony watching everything that is going on, talking about everything of, uh, that everyone uh, was doing, uh, gluttony for gossip, talking in the back, backs of other people, having craving this information that you need to have in order to in order to be the one who knows it all even if that information is not correct uh, gluttony with gossip is what i have seen destroys churches the most we don't care about the truth we care what so and so said and we don't even care about checking with uh, those who are engaged in, we just go, oh, he did that. I'm not going to speak about uh, with him anymore because he's a bad person. Like, how do you know? Oh, so-and-so told me. Really, is that what the Bible says we should do? No, but we do it anyway. Gossip destroys churches. And in a small town, sadly, um, gossip is one of those symptoms of gluttony. We just crave for it and want more of it. All right, so uh, it says wrath, but it should be gluttony. I don't know why I didn't change that. Sorry for that. Uh, gluttony is not mentioned very frequently in the scriptures, but when we understand that gluttony is excess, then we found those references increased. In the Old Testament, for example, it was the excessive desire for Egypt and uh, the delicacies that Egypt provided that brought a punishment over the Israelites. Do, do you remember that scene? It's always so fun for me to read because that's how we are sometimes. Um, they go, Moses, why have you taken us away from Egypt? In Egypt, we had like grapes and fish and meat, and it was amazing. Oh, how we wish to go back to Egypt. It was so amazing. And I always go, you were slaves. Slaves don't eat fish. It's just an image that they made themselves in their heads of what they saw their masters eating, but they didn't because they were slaves. The diet of a slave was olives and a piece of bread. That was it. And dirty water. So when they say, oh, we were so happy in Egypt, that's a lie. And we do that sometimes, do we not? 
Oh, when we were in the other house, it was so much better. We were happy. Never we thought about this. Why are we Lord? Right? Yeah, it wasn't like that. You were miserable too because you lacked contentment, right? Um, and, and, and comparison. Comparing yourself with others. If I will only have that house, that car, that body, that salary, then I'll be happy. No, you'll be more miserable because you will complain anyway. That's how we are. When we are not content in Jesus Christ, then that's who, that's who we are. That's how we behave. Um, um, and it's evident in our culture too, right? Uh, oh, like Brad Pitt married Angelina Jolie. They are going to be the happiest persons in the world. Beautiful people having beautiful babies, making this world more beautiful of what it already is. Cheated on her, cheated on her uh, abandoned her when she had breast cancer. She went and did the same. Where is the happy marriage? Oh, you know, Joe Jonas. I don't know if it's Joe Jonas. One of the Jonas brothers married, married the English lady, um, uh, Sophie Turner. Oh, they are going to be happy because they are just beautiful people. They are going to be amazingly happy. And she has said that she is going to marry him forever because there is no one as beautiful as he is. They are separating today. Well, not today, in this week. Um, why? Because there is always this false idea, lack of contentment that we have in our heads, in our hearts, for what we think is best for us. The idea of deny yourself, follow Jesus, doesn't exist in our culture. But it's my right. Mm-mm. Deny yourself. No, I'm going to reclaim what is mine. This is mine. I have the right to be happy. Do you? No, we don't. God in His mercy gives us happy times and joy in His Holy Spirit, but we don't have the right to be happy. In what world sinners who reject the goodness of God, who lift our fists to God every single day and reject Him, deserve to be happy? That's just so stupid. But even then we say we have the right to be happy. No, we don't. Excess use of alcohol is condemned in several places in the scriptures. Uh, there are some of them right there. And even the drunkard will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, remember, it's excess that is condemned here, not the proper use of alcohol. That's a little caveat for you. Christian is not saying you cannot drink a beer or something. I'm saying drunk, uh, being drunk, a drunkard, uh, use of alcohol in excess, that is a problem. It'll be easier, wouldn't it, uh, for me to say no alcohol. Yeah, but is that biblical? Uh, I know, I know the temptation. It'll be easier to say uh, no of this and go further than the scripture goes because that's what I want to hear. But is that what the Bible says? I'll be lying to you. If that if that is is the case, uh, so excess is what is condemned, not the proper use of alcohol. Uh, now, if you have struggled with alcohol, if you are an alcoholic, a drunkard, uh, alcoholic sounds nice. A drunkard, um, 
then of course don't do it. Of course, you're going to die. It's like, it's like uh, you know, giving cocaine to a drug addict. No, like, don't, don't do it. But if, but if this is talking about normal case scenarios, uh, in other words, excess is widely condemned in the scriptures. Can we include here excessive thinking about ourselves? Yes. Excessive overzeal? Yeah. Think about, oh, no one worships like we do because we are the best. Reform worship is the best worship. I mean, I agree, but will you go and throw that to other brothers and sisters in Christ? No. Uh, we have what we have because it's God's mercy. Because he has opened our hearts to something that we couldn't see by ourselves. Not because we are the best and we have got it. And even then when we think we got it, we don't get other things. And we are blind and we need the help of other brothers and sisters in Christ to see what we normally don't see. And sometimes from other denominations. Sometimes from unbelievers. More than once. Rape in Ecuador, rampant. And you know what? Who, who protested against it? Unbelievers. I said to my wife, the church should be protesting against that. We should be crying for justice. But instead of that, unbelievers. How upside down is that? No, we don't talk about politics in the church. Well, but it's a crime. And it's against God's law. Can we not say anything? What about excessive conservatism? I was told this by a person, not here. Uh, in in uh, I don't remember where it was. I think it was in Michigan. Um, the moment someone a, puts a projector in this church, I'm gone. This projector, uh, like for for the lyrics of the of the songs in the hymnals, the, those are for the devil. I'm gone. Like, really? Where did you get that in the scriptures? No, no, I'm gone. Like, the moment we abandon the blue altar, I'm gone. Because that's the inspired altar. Yeah, your grandma was saying that about the blue, and she was sticking to the red. Um, excessive conservatism. Fear, because we don't want to... Uh, transform things according to scriptures. That is the American way. That's how we have done it. So don't mess with it. It's the good American way. Yeah, it doesn't make it less sinful. Right? Um, at the center of every single of the deadly sins seems to be self-centeredness and fear. We don't trust God, so we crave for things. We don't go to Him for help. We don't surrender to Him. Uh, is fear what drives drives us? Think about the King James version only churches. I love brother, they're they're good brothers in Jesus Christ, and yet King James is the only inspired version of the scriptures. Really, Jesus didn't speak English, to my knowledge. He spoke Aramean, not English. Yeah, but it's the best, and we don't go. Uh, to any other translation, because those are corrupted. Are they? How do you know? Um, no, no, let's not go there. We are afraid of that. All right. Um, anyhow, 
Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Persecuted for righteousness' sake. Uh, not because we are stupid and messed up. Not because uh, we were caught in our sins and now we are being persecuted. Not because we were sinning and now, you know, uh, session has to discipline us or or police call us doing what we shouldn't be doing and now we are in jail. Uh, uh, blessed, because we are being persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, for the gospel, in other words. Uh, for for preaching Jesus Christ. If gluttony is an excessive appetite towards anything except God, and in gluttony we seek to stuff ourselves with whatever we can, then this beatitude calls our attention to the only one who can satisfy our hearts, uh, our heart's desires, Jesus Christ. Um, so are you craving for the next new thing that you are stuff yourself with? Look at Jesus instead. It's a good exercise. I have, I have, Try it myself. It's not pretty, but it's satisfying. It's better than the next shoes or the next whatever. In this beatitude, Jesus assumes the gospel. In other words, he assumes that you are already a Christian, that the previous uh, beatitudes that he has been speaking about, those are already true in your life because you are a Christian. You are united to him. It follows uh, from them, the, those previous um Beatitudes. The Christian who has seen the Christ knows that he has been satisfied with him. He is united to Christ. All things have been granted to him in Jesus. And that cuts immediately the idea that we need anything else to satisfy our needs. Think about that. If you are satisfied in Jesus Christ, I think it's the Proverbs uh, uh, who says, it's better uh, a morsel of bread in the house of contentment than a feast in the house of a strive or something like that, uh, you, you get what I'm saying. It's somewhere in Proverbs. Um, it's contentment, right? Find your content, contentment in Jesus Christ. Whether you have a lot or you have nothing, you're happy because Jesus Christ has given you a new day. I, I read a book during my, my first year of internship in Florida because I really needed it. I was struggling with being thankful. And the title of the book is Learning to be Thankful on Everything. And I thought, I'm going to read it. And it moved my heart to, from, ah, another hot day. Sucks. Humid. Hate it. And why can I not wear jeans? I have to be in shorts. This is the worst. To, thank you, Lord, for providing for me here one more day. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the chance to preach your word in this church. Move my heart away from complaint, Lord, because that's easy for me. Help me to see that you have given me wife, two children, and that time it was just two, um, uh, and that you have provided for me when there was nothing for me. When you move your heart to thankfulness and contentment in Jesus Christ, you suddenly start to see things that you didn't see before, um, like the house you live in, the pants that you're wearing, uh, the socks that you are wearing, the fact that you are breathing, the fact that you are alive, all of those things are, are things to be thankful to God for because he's been merciful and gracious to you. And instead of looking next to you, 
you should be looking to Christ and say, wow, you are merciful. You are amazing. Um, so we find contentment in Jesus Christ. However, precisely because we are satisfied in Christ, precisely because we belong to, one, uh, to, to another one, Jesus, the world will persecute us. Not this clearly the reason for persecution, righteousness sake, in other words, for Jesus' sake. Now, uh, in America, we think about persecution as those things that are happening in Afghanistan, those things that happen to our Indian brothers and sisters, and in Japan, or in, in any other country. But we don't think about persecution here, or at least we are starting to, but we didn't before. Uh, but uh, when, uh, when uh, you, you say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and the other person in the room looks at you weird, uh, that is a form of persecution. Not necessarily strongly, but soft kind of persecution. What? Christian, what are you, stupid? No, I'm a person of faith. Oh, yeah, you are stupid. No, I'm a Christian. Oh, what? Like I went, I went to donate some books to a, to a library here, and, uh, and they go, but these are all religious. Like, yeah. Oh, really? And do you want, do you have more? Like, do you want, I said, do you want more? Said, no, not really. Oh, okay. Yeah, please don't come back. All right. You know, uh, persecution for Jesus' sake. Oh, you haven't had sex and you're already 16? What's wrong with you? I'm a Christian. Oh, that's so weird. What's wrong with you? Right? Um, you are 16 and you haven't smoked a cigarette? What's wrong with you? Persecution for righteousness' sake. Um, again, this is my experience. I'm, I'm sure you didn't have it because I asked before and you didn't have it. But when I was in high school and I had like the drug dealers in my school and, you know, the groups and everything, um, it was weird that I was not buying drugs. It was weird that I was presenting my homework. It was weird that I was saying good morning to the teachers because they are authorities placed by God in order to be over me. That concept was really weird to my, to my uh, classmates. Vandalized their teachers' houses. Um, one of them was in hospital because my, some of those bigger guys than me uh, went and gave him a big, big... Um, um, uh, they, they almost beat him up to death. Uh, so he was in the hospital. It was, it was kind of rough. And it was weird to say, I don't do that because I'm a Christian. I'm like, what? Christian? What is that? Oh, you're a brother, hallelujah. I guess so. Yeah. The persecuted does not have time to stuff himself with things because the persecuted gives everything, even what he needs to survive in order to show love to his beloved, that is Jesus Christ. Uh, think about this. When you are going through persecution, right, in your job, everyone is mocking me. Ah, you know, you don't have time to, oh, where, when are the new shoes coming up? And, and uh, oh, that's right. Um, according to T-Mobile or Verizon or AT&T, now, now I can upgrade. When is that new iPhone coming up? 
um, you don't have time to think about it because you are being persecuted. When your child is in the hospital because his friends decided to beat him up, you don't have time to think about it. But you do have time to say, Lord, give me strength. Lord, please help me to forgive. Lord, please uh, help me to be a conduct to Jesus Christ, to my, children, to, to my children and to my child as he or she is suffering in the hospital. When, 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 uh, when the pastor who is in Indianapolis starting to plant a church goes, moves in there, goes to the gym, comes back and his wife is dead because someone decided to break in their house because they found that he was a Christian and killed her then you don't have time to say, um, I need something else. You go to Jesus. Persecution tunes our hearts to Jesus Christ. When we cannot fix ourselves with a new car, new shoes, new clothing, new makeup, new whatever, we are forced to see Jesus. Are we not? Uh, persecution forces us to concentrate on what really matters, what is really important. Think about Job. I don't know if I said that name rightly. Um, Job, Job. All right, Job. Um, he was persecuted through the agency of the devil in order that he may see God in a new light uh, derived from him, uh, to derive from him his whole identity. Uh, so Job in his book all the time goes, why is this happening to me? God never tells us. Never. He goes, I am God, and that's enough. What? And yet Job goes, goes, now my eyes have seen you. After like 40 years of suffering. Um, think about Paul, Peter, Polycarp, Athanasius, Augustine, Gregory the Great, Dominic, Luther, Calvin, and others. All of them have been persecuted, afflicted, <coughs> excuse me, and yet from their pens during their hardest times of afflictions, we have been blessed, encouraged, and so on. Calvin, he goes, I'm going to marry this girl because she's a widow. She needs help. Uh, her husband was a good French pastor. I'm going to help her. I'm going to marry her. I'm going to show Christian love to her. Marries. They, she's pregnant. Baby boy is born. One week later, dead. Calvin goes, well, God is sovereign. Help me to, help me to trust in you. Once more, have a baby boy. He grows a little bit more. Dead. Once again. And then, if that were not enough, the wife that loved him so much supported him for five years, she's gone. She dies. Calvin goes, God, you are merciful. Help me to trust in you. He is so, so sick by the end of his life that they need to mount him in a horse so, so his bowels can move and he can use the restroom. Because he couldn't. Sick. Uh, very, very skinny because he couldn't, he couldn't eat. And over that, the guys in Geneva go, you are a disaster. Go away. We don't want you. 
because he was putting things in order. And when they cannot, when they cannot uh, put things in order, they go, Calvin, please come back. We need you. No, not without a reason, he goes, oh, I really don't want to go there, to that place where I was persecuted, hated. No one, no one appreciated my ministry. But then he goes back. <laughs> what in the world? Why? Because he loves Jesus. And he loved God's people. The persecuted are blessed because they know their inheritance is God himself. The kingdom of God is like a treasure, Jesus says, and is worth giving up everything in order to gain it. That is in the end what faith is. Self-emptying of yourself and be filled with Jesus. That parable is amazing, by the way. So beautiful. He goes, the kingdom of God is like a, tre like a treasure, like a hidden treasure. This man who goes, discovers the treasure who is on underground, he goes and sells everything he has. And then he buys the lot, and then he rests content because he knows that under that lot is his treasure. That's the kingdom of God. You do everything. You give everything for the kingdom. You empty yourself from everything because the kingdom of God is worth it. Jesus. What is the best thing that Jesus can give us? Jesus himself. Nothing else. But that sounds like a little thing. No, it's not. It's a lot. It's God himself. And with him, we have everything. No wonder the psalmists go, what do I have in heaven but you? And outside of you, I, I want nothing on earth. Is that our prayer? Is that who we are? Because otherwise we are going to be persecuting these things and then they don't satisfy. They don't give us anything. Think about uh, Solomon. The guy has everything. Everything. He even tells us, tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes, right? Woman, all of them. Gardens, all of them. Science, all of them. Philosophy, all of them. I tried everything, he says. And then his conclusion is vanity of vanity. Everything is vanity. It's like you as a dad going to your kid and saying, go, I will pay you $5 for every bubble that you find for me and you trap in your hands and bring it to me. $5 for every bubble. And the little one goes like innocent, right? Goes, yeah, I'm going to trap bubbles. We know they explode. We know they cannot hold them in their hands. We know it's vanity, empty. That's who we are when we pursue anything else that is not Jesus. Empty. We try to hold it, explodes. Jesus, he never explodes. He fills our heart's desires. All right? Do we have any questions? Let me just...